everyone. Welcome to another episode of the good, bad, and ugly of business. I am your host, Katrin Becker. And today I am joined with George Ogero. Welcome to the show, George. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, I am very excited to talk to you. Um, you are a lawyer and have your own law firm and have for many years, right? Yeah, uh, five years, but it seems like it's been a lot longer. I wish I had done it a lot sooner, but I've been on my own for five years now. I think any business that lasts more than a year or two is been in business for a while, because especially what's happened in the last few years, it's it hasn't been easy. No, it hasn't. It, we, we've definitely had our challenges. So what has it been like for you starting a business and then kind of right as you're kind of ramping up and getting into it, a pandemic happens? What was that journey like for you? It actually, it gave me time to reassess things. And so in that sense, it was, it was helpful because I was able to look at, okay, I don't have court now, you know, we're doing everything on zoom and how can I make my practice more remote Mm. and cater to those who need to be remote, who want to be remote and those who still want to be in person. So what can I do about, what can I do to accommodate everyone? And, you know, with the help of, uh, you know, time, given the pandemic slowed things down, what I found is that it also allowed the general public time to think about things they needed to get done. Sure. And so as someone who handles business things and real estate things um, and criminal defense, all of those things stayed active. They didn't go away. Absolutely. You know, eviction skyrocketed. Well, eviction defense, especially uh, for ten on the tenant side, is I, I represent both sides. It it just depends on who comes comes in that day. But you know, I spent a lot of time defending tenants' rights when they were trying when landlords were trying to evict for non-payment of rent, and there was the whole moratorium on that and everything that surrounded that. So that remained constant. I found that many people took it as a time to start a business or turn that that side hustle into a full-time job. Absolutely. And vice versa. People are now doing a full-time job from home and they realize that, wow, I get all my work done a lot faster here I'm going to find something else to do as well. So I was getting calls about helping with a side hustle. Uh, That's really interesting. And and I'm really curious, you know, with the eviction piece of it, you know, the real estate market was, was really hot in 2021. Um, and now it's, it's slowed down. So how has that been uh, affecting your, your business on the real estate side of things? I'm getting more, litigation cases. So 
the evictions have slowed down, which is good. I still, uh, I still get the occasional defense, and it's usually the day before the trial. Uh, Nothing like waiting to the last minute, right? And well, it's scary. I mean, to get that notice has to just be terrifying. But if a tenant, if it's if I'm on the tenant side and they let me know soon enough, a lot of times we can negotiate with the landlord and really try to get it dismissed so it's not on that tenant's record. Hmm. How is it? Um, is there a way to be proactive in how you let people know about your services? Because it seems like it's the kind of thing that nobody thinks about until they're faced with it. That is the $64,000 question. If is figuring out the way to best market what we do. And I haven't figured it out yet. That is, that's one of the challenges, you know, this podcast is about challenges and it's how can we economically advertise our services and economically is the key word. Right. Because you could spend so much money and no one remembers it. And it, it really depends on your target market. And what I am trying to do. So sorry, I'm sorry to interrupt, but just a thought flew into my head and and I definitely want to get back to what you've been trying to do, but is it in the landlord's best interest to have it resolved or is it in the landlord's best interest to have the eviction and to get a new tenant? Well, the land and it's going to depend, but the landlord has a duty to mitigate that that's in the property code. You do have a, as a landlord, you do have a duty to try to mitigate your situation. If a tenant has vacated the property and shows no signs of returning, then the landlord is to mitigate their damage by trying to get somebody in there as soon as possible. Sure. At which point they can then seek eviction and get a judgment and attempt to collect on it. And it just, it's going to depend, Hmm. you know, if, if someone con if a tenant contacts me after you know, when they first receive any kind of word of an eviction, you know, a three day notice to vacate or a letter saying you're this far behind on your ledger, you know, you need to get it caught up, you know, in some situations like that, someone will call me and say, look, my lease is almost up. I don't want to have an eviction. Can we work out? Can you help me work out something with the management company, you know, to settle on a payable sum? So we may do that. So is there potential to, to come at it from the other side of having, you know, partnerships with the, the landlords and the management companies so that they're reaching out to you before they're going through that eviction paperwork? What I found is I think there's always an advantage of a landlord or a tenant knowing a lawyer. 
especially landlords, property management companies, because they do so much of this themselves Mm. or they farm it out to a service that provides evictions. And maybe that service company has a lawyer or whatnot, but it's not a law firm. And so they're the ones that spearhead all of that. And a lot of times they don't do it right. They, they just don't do it right. I have, uh, I defended an appeal on behalf of a tenant uh, the other day, I prosecuted an appeal on behalf of, an, of a defendant the, or the other day, a tenant. And, you know, our key thing was she didn't have notice. Mm-hmm. It says, well, it says right here, it was affixed inside the apartment door. Well, that's just not something you miss. And, you know, my client is saying here under oath that she did not get that notice. And my question to the representative for the landlord was, did you photograph it? Mm. They didn't have that. She said, I don't know. We, we just, it says we affixed it. I said, yeah, well, I can say I'm anything and, you know, it'd be out in the world, but it doesn't make it, you know, accurate. Right. True. Yeah, exactly. True. So, Landlords, it's a business. And I understand that. And my advice has always been, what is going to get you some compensation? Is going through the eviction process going to get you compensation? And most of the times, yes. Yes, it will. It's a judgment. If they get a judgment against the tenant, you know, then you file an abstract of judgment. It's out there for 10 years and it can be renewed. Uh, but will they ever see a dime? It depends on how big the judgment is. So, you know, I always try to see, seek an avenue where <clears throat> landlord can get some money and they, then they can quickly get somebody new in there who can pay. As if I'm on the landlord side. Sure. Sure. So switching gears a little bit, you know, you've been um pretty much a one-man show these last five years in in your in your practice. Um, how has that been for you? And do you find entrepreneurship to be a lonely journey? Yes. To answer that question, yes. It is it is a lonely journey, even in networking groups like BNI, you know, where, where a lot of people are, are in the same universe, just doing different things. It's still very lonely. And COVID in the pandemic even exacerbated that further with everyone going remote. Now I have in the past year brought on uh, two employees, uh, a legal, uh, a fantastic legal assistant and a practice manager, uh, both of whom have, uh, at, at this point can't do without them. And it's made things run a lot smoother, but we're all remote. 
right now. Right. So, you know, right now I'm at, I'm in my home office. Uh, it's very quiet, which is nice. Uh, you know, there's not the, the racket of kids running around. <laughs> still, it's just, it's just me. So yeah, it can get, it can get lonely. And even the business side can get lonely because, you know, as an entrepreneur, you have to stay busy. You know, we stay busy. You know, we, it's hard to turn off that, uh, turn off that faucet of work, you know, got to work, got to work. If I'm not working, I'm not making money. Right. And so we have to work really hard to foster relationships with other entrepreneurs and get to a point where we can talk about things like, you know, how are you affording this? Like, mm-hmm. how, like, how do you afford this? What are you doing to, you know, take your business uh, a little bit further? You know, how are you making payroll? It's a great question. How are you doing, how are you doing payroll? And I, mean, I think for, you know, what I've seen with, with other um, solopreneurs, And as they bring on employees, there's a huge fear around like, how am I going to be able to pay someone else? Like, it's one thing when you are only responsible for yourself and you know that you can make more sacrifices at home if necessary to get you to where you need to go, but you're not going to ask these employees you bring on to make those same level of sacrifices and that you have a responsibility to pay them. And so there's a lot of fear in there. And a lot of people, um, don't bring on the people that they need to because they're afraid um, of that sort of scarcity mindset. Was that something that you needed to overcome or experienced? I did have to overcome it. And I will say it's, you overcome it, you overcome one fear and replace it with another because for the longest time, it was just me. I was the only one taking phone calls, preparing documents, sending out engagement letters, you know, calendaring, doing all these things. And then, you know, I looked at different options, virtual assistant, answering services, and, you know, paid way too much for things like that just to try it out. And, you know, it's just, it, it really, nothing really worked. And so, but it was, I did all that because I was afraid of bringing someone on, much less two people, and not being able to uh, to pay them. And real talk, even now, there are pay periods where it's it's tight. You know, but I will make sure they get paid before I do, uh, because I can't operate without them. But do you feel like that makes the- you? Do you feel like that drives you more, knowing that you've got these other people to be responsible for? It does. Responsible to. It does. It is certainly a motivator. It's certainly a motivating factor. But again, it's replacing one fear with it. It's, it's replacing one fear with another, and. Who knows which I think the I think the fear of I need to make payroll is 
probably a healthier fear in long term than oh I can't I can't hire somebody what if what if times get tough and I have to I have to do something that's limiting sure it, it, it's limiting it's not forward looking and yeah it's a tight rope to walk but and it's a hard fear to overcome but I think if you're going to grow you know, you have to, you have to do it. You have to expand some. And it's really changing the, how you frame the spending of money. Like instead of, you know, what is this going to cost me? What is this expenditure going to make me? Exactly. Maybe this, maybe you bring on somebody and in your interview process, you are tailoring it tailoring your questions to see how this employee can help you grow the business and not in just freeing up something you used to do. Now your time is freed up to grow the business, but how can this employee when they're not at work influence people to, to use your services? Do you, uh, you know, I, I, I definitely hear the growth journey that you've been on to go through those fears and get through that. Have you invested in coaching or personal development to help you get through that? Or what kind of techniques worked for you? I did that early on and I felt that it was for legal services for a law firm. I felt like I was spending too much money and time. And it was great for goal setting and, and things of that nature, but I didn't find, in hindsight being 2020, more practical tools that, that, that I could have used at the time. Mm. Um, you know, like, let's put together a business plan. You know, let's let, let's talk about just starting a business. And um, what all is entailed with that process? What's this going to entail? Have you really looked at a five-year plan, a one-year plan? And we did touch on some of that, but I think it's important to have accountability. Absolutely. It's, it's just, I think that can also be done economically as well. I think you can find someone to help you be accountable and make sure you're staying on top of your goals. Yeah, absolutely. What would you say is the biggest challenge that you are currently working towards and have you, do you have a path out of it or is it still something that is representing a challenge for you? It's still representing a challenge. Right now, the biggest challenge is consistency. Uh, consistent, uh, a consistent base of business that keeps the lights on, mm. and and then paying down and lowering some expenses. That's and and that's all that's going to always be there. But what I would like to get to a point where is it's not 
it's more on a, of a back burner concern challenge than up front. That makes sense. I also understand that you are bringing on a partner in addition to your, your, your staff. So what has that journey been like? It's very exciting. I never really had a plan and this a lot of ways speaks to my challenges that I face. I didn't really have a plan when I started my law firm. I just wanted to work for myself and I figured I'd learn it along the way. I don't recommend that. (laughs) At least find a good mentor. Um, But my plate was full earlier this year and I started asking around and looking into various resources where you know, attorneys who freelance and are able to freelance take on additional work. I had a very good attorney friend post uh, that I was looking for assistance in a, in a Facebook group and women's lawyers of Texas or women, Texas lawyers or something like that, a group that I'm not in obviously. And <laughs> And this wonderful attorney responded and provided, provided her resume. And there was just no question that one, I need to know this person. And, you know, as we worked together, as we've, as we've worked together, it's become very apparent that we work well together and complement each other quite well. And I did not want to squander an opportunity to work with a very, very good attorney. And so when I threw out the, the idea of, Hey, I think we should, I think we should work together. And I don't want a manager associate type of arrangement. I think you need to come on here as, you know, as a partner with me and, you know, I'm grateful that we're, we're going down that path. How has that changed how you are working going from, you know, you being the solo person, making all of the decisions it all falls on your shoulder to now having um, a partner, has it been fairly smooth sailing or have you had any sort of bumps along the way? We haven't had any bumps along the way. I I find it relieving that that there's someone that I can talk to that might say that's a really stupid idea, <laughs> you know, or or that's a great idea. Here's what I think we can add on to that. It's very helpful. It's nice to have that. Now, again, we haven't officially launched yet. We are in the very infancy of 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 a new business, and so it is coming early in the in the upcoming year. And I'm very excited about it because it's going to expand our reach both in Texas and, and, and outside of Texas, because my partner's also licensed in Colorado. 
Well, that's, that's a great lead in as to, um, you know, what would you do? What are you going to do differently than from when you started by yourself? Is there anything you would do differently? Plan. We're going to plan and we're going to look at every angle, everything from every angle, frank discussions, a lot less burying head in sand, which is, uh, I, you know, I think a, a, an easy thing to do when you're on your own is push something away and hope it doesn't come back or at least buy you some time. And then when it rears its head again, you can uh, deal with it then. Absolutely. Uh, and, and, and then just be, just be present and be aware, be aware of how our business is doing, be aware of the kind of clients who are coming in uh, and be very specific and focused on who we want to represent and where we want the firm to go. Do you have any of that information that you could share? So if someone's listening and they think, oh, I, I think working with George sounds good. What would that look like? Do we know? Yes. We are going to have a a sizable criminal defense docket. Now, we're not currently taking court appointments. Everything is a a private hire. You know, we're found by a family member or or the defendant themselves. And, uh, you know, they hire they hire us or hire, you know, hire me. And, but we're still going to have a civil docket as well in the form of, of real estate. And so many things come with real estate that, uh, you know, we'll decide on a case by case basis, uh, if anything ancillary we'll deal with, uh, you know, I've done a significant amount of probates. I've done a significant amount of entity formations and uh, real estate investment work for clients and loan documents and things of that nature. That's not going to go away. Um, But we are going to balance it more with uh, the criminal defense docket and, and grow that because ideally we'd have a 50-50 split there. Yeah, and that gives you a lot more flexibility on what you want to spend your personal time on. But I always tell people, call me first. Call me anyway. You know, I don't, I, it, it doesn't matter if someone thinks, oh, well, that's the Ojero Law Firm. They're a, they're a real estate law firm. Yeah, we do that, but call us, call me anyway, because I can guarantee you, I can put you with someone who can help faster than you would find them on your own. And that's a really great thing to know, because I know from my personal experience that um, the lawyers that I know, they really love to be siloed. Um, And I get a lot of like, okay, I've got this law question. I know this isn't your speciality, but you know, 
help point me in the right direction. It's like, oh, that's not what I do. So I think there's, there's that piece to overcome. At least that's been my experience, um, with, with different lawyers. So I think that's, uh, it's really good to know that you're open to helping in that way. Yeah. I want someone to call me because I've seen it so often and I've had clients engage us who had initially just done a Google search and found somebody and paid them, paid somebody a significant amount of money to not see very much in return. And then that's equally as frustrating to me because when they get to us finally, well, one, they don't have funds available usually, but they still need help. Right. And I'm still going to talk to them. I'm still going to see if we can work something out. But if it's not me that can do it, I will help them find someone who I know isn't, is going to help them get a result, you know, so they don't have to go into it blind. That's why I said, call me first, because if our firm can't handle it, we'll put you with someone that we trust who can. Well, I like that tagline. Call me first. It's almost like that TV show. Better call Saul. Yeah. But I think it's, it's a simple, it's a simple, uh, it's a simple statement. But it, uh, it eludes so much more. It can save a lot of trouble. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, you heard it first. Call, call George first. <laughs> yes, please. Please call us. We we're happy to talk and see and if we can help. And hopefully you're the first and last call. Yeah. Hope so. Because, you know, if, if, if you don't need a lawyer, I will tell you, you don't need me. And I I, really refreshing to hear. uh, And it it goes both ways. If you don't need me, then that frees me up to focus on my clients that I already have or business development. Um, And it saves someone else money. Sounds like a win-win for when they do need me. (laughs) Cause you know, it'll come at some point, right? Everybody should have an emergency fund, of course, but I I've, I've begun to think that everybody should also have a lawyer fund just in case. Absolutely. It's like an insurance policy. Exactly. Well, George, I have really enjoyed speaking with you. Thank you for your time today and um, sharing your story. I, I think there's a lot of great learning that people can distill um, from this, you know, from going from that solopreneur position into how to grow, how to overcome some of those fears that are holding them holding them back. So I really appreciate your time today and um, look forward to maybe having you on the show again once things get more launched and settled and, and learn how they've grown and changed and shifted. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm sure we'll be doing a podcast as well. So we'll be calling you and uh, I appreciate the opportunity. Absolutely. All right. Thanks so much, George. And for everyone listening, we'll look forward to seeing you for the next episode. Take care.